Hi and hello watch fans and welcome to the anniversary edition of The Real Time Show. We have now been active for one year and one day. We are recording this episode yesterday, so November the 1st, and we are joined not just by the friendly neighborhood jeweler Alan Ben-Joseph calling in all the way from Amsterdam, but also our dear friend Martin Clocker of Sherpa Watches to announce our very first collaborative watch We've been going for one year, we've made a lot of good friends over that time, but there was one relationship that really stood out over the past 12 months, and we decided to commemorate that by creating a watch together. Martin, welcome to the show. Thanks for your trust and for your friendship. It's a pleasure to have you here. Rob, thank you so much, and congratulations to your show, to your network, and uh, I've been really like sucked in into your stream <laughs> since we met the first time. So uh, I, I'm really happy to be here and I'm, I'm feeling honored to, to be the first collaboration partner with you two guys. And uh, yeah, Alan, also congratulations to you. And um, yeah, how we all met was just, I mean, not crazy, but it was really, really nice and felt at home, uh, even though we haven't met before. Thank you, Martin. Thank you so much. I knew you were crazy because you started a watch brand from zero, Sherpa Watches. Now, I'm 100% convinced you're ready for the cuckoo's nest because you've decided to make a collab with us to it. So, <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so on a serious note, thank you so much for the trust. It's, it's an honor for us that you are willing to celebrate our first anniversary by offering us the ability to co-create a watch with you, which happened very organically, which we'll discuss later on. Before we do that, I want to wholeheartedly thank all our dear listeners, because without the listeners, we wouldn't have been where we are today. We built an amazing community. So this is a shout out to the Real Time Show Network that is very lively on WhatsApp, of which you are a, a vivid member as well, Martin. So danke schön. And obviously, thank you to all the guests. We've this is probably episode 115. Rob, correct me if I'm wrong. Whoever thought that we'd last so long, I am super grateful for the journey. I've enjoyed literally every second of it. It hasn't been work. It was a lot of work, but I didn't experience it as work. It gives me a lot of energy. The only downside is it costs me a lot of money privately. Instead of getting saturated with watches, I'm getting more fired up, fueled up. I'm buying more. And as you guys can guess, I just ordered my first Sherpa watch. <laughs> yeah, actually, you know what? That's an excellent segue. You know, one of these days, people are going to start accusing us of scripting this show because that was so seamless. But we should talk about exactly how this collaboration came about and, and the business model that we're pursuing together. Because as you know, the real-time show is all about transparency and we want to remain as impartial as we possibly can so that we can share our unvarnished opinions with our community from now until the end of this journey whenever that may be and uh, i don't think it looks like it's ending anytime soon like you like elon said who'd have thought we'd have made it this far but we have made it this far and we have made it so far we do need to monetize the show and so we asked our community uh whatsapp network the real-time network which you're able to join if you would like to you just need to send us a message asking for the invite link and you can become a member of our offline community 
exactly how they would like us to do that. And the overwhelming response was they would like us to work with brands directly, creating watches that we wholeheartedly believed in. Now, we were very keen to do this because Alan and I have done this for quite some time together with other brands over the years. But we were also mindful of the problems that other media outlets have run into when they do start to collaborate with brands. And that is, can the opinions aired in the aired on the media platform be trusted in the same way as they could before? Because of course, now there's a commercial interest at play. We thought that the best way to combat that was to remove one of the greatest annoyances for true watch collectors, and that is FOMO or the fear of missing out. And we didn't want to pursue limited editions with brands. Instead, we wanted to forge long-term sustainable partnerships that benefited both sides and hopefully the audience and lovers of true watches. And to do that, we decided to co-design a core model for Sherpa, which will remain in the collection indefinitely, as long as it's a success for Martin, of course, as a businessman, if this co-designed product completely flops you will have to discontinue it at some point but if it keeps drawing interest and engaging customers with the brand and resulting in sales then of course it will remain around as long as you want it to be and we hope that that is something that our community will appreciate there's no pressure we'd love for you to buy the watch to support the show if you can't afford it don't worry, the show's not going to be charged anytime soon. The content will remain free and it will also soon become available on more platforms. But if you would like to chip in, then you know how to do it right now. Alan, what do you want to add to this? So I want to dive in quickly to say how cool this podcast is and how organic things are. So I literally, as a consumer, Listen to Martin, meaning you did the interview with him alone. I wasn't able to join, unfortunately. So I only listen to the episodes that I'm not on air as a watch nerd community member. And I just enjoy them. And I always learn. I knew about Sherpa watches. I knew about Martin, but not more than a article and a single page in a magazine or a blog article. Always loved the watches, but never actually seen or held one. So I've listened to the episode, fell in love with his story, with the person behind it, and was amazed that it's a real compressor watch. So how deep he went on the journey to make it as true as possible to the original. We met up, and we'll maybe tell the story from all angles in more details. But Rob and I, you and I, decided to go with another brand for our first but because this story was created so organically on the fly, we said this has to be our first collab because it shows what the community can do and did, not for us, but literally in the ecosystem of watchmaking. So I just wanted to give that as a little intro, especially for our listeners that um, maybe download this episode as their first TRTS experience ever. Yeah, very good. And talking of that organic genesis of this project, we should probably go back to the very beginning. It was a very interesting, uh, almost fatalistic now looking back meeting of first Martin and I, then you and Martin separately. And we, we've met up, I think Martin and I met in Helsinki. Where did you guys meet? Was it Geneva? Yeah, actually, we met in Geneva at the airport. Uh, Instagram was our friend. So I, I, I boarded the plane in, I think, Frankfurt. Yeah, Frankfurt there was. And then I saw that uh, Alan also posted this uh, airplane picture, so I knew he would land more or less the same time. 
And then I needed to spend a bit more time on, at the airport because when I landed, the, my beautiful airline uh, sent me a message that my luggage was on a certain plane, which was not identical to the one I was on. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> so so uh, there was another story, which is really uh, well, crazy. But in the end, I sometime during the day, later at night, I fetched the, my luggage at the airport, but... It offered me the opportunity to actually meet Alan for the first time. So I, I received him more or less at the ex exit door of the airport. And then we got, uh, you know, we met the first time. We got into a Uber or a taxi. I can't remember really. And we drove uh, into the city. So um, that was actually a, the first meeting. And then, you know, while talking, I un un unpacked two, two watches. I, I gave them to him and um, we started talking. That was the, let's say, a bit of unusual way of meeting. And there is not a word lied there. Literally, we were running late. Marty had to get to an appointment. Rob was waiting for me at the Bon Rivage. I was rushing. I was also a tiny bit delayed. Had to grab my luggage. Met with Martin in the taxi, indeed, on the backseat side. I, I said, dude, I love to meet you, but I have to try on the watches. So he pulled out <laughs> his watches and immediately I fell in love. And then... I literally, I believe I said it there for the first time, just in yep. the spur of the moment. Dude, how cool would it be if you take the dial of the OPS and put it in a matte finished stainless steel case? And I said, I assume you considered that, but you didn't want too many references, right, Martin? I think you just said, I want to have the ultra dive case uh, with the OPS dial. And something like, oh, I understood it like that anyway. So all my internal defenses were on. <laughs> <laughs> and actually, you're the first guy. I mean, when you're doing a watch brand and you're doing many shows like I did in the last two years, there's so many people at your booth telling you what kind of watches you should do and how, whatever. You know, you get so many um, unasked, uh, um, yeah, I don't know, <laughs> advices. But um, actually, the, the 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 idea to have the OPS dial inside of the Ultra Dive case was was quite often. And I wasn't a friend of that, uh, but maybe under misunderstood you. And, and I said, no, no, I don't want that. And uh, never blah, blah, blah. But during the next few days, I think even in Geneva, uh, I, I was thinking about the idea. And then I thought, okay, why not do a matte finish uh, OPS without DLC? Maybe that was the suggestion you did anyway. But yeah, then I said, okay, that's possible. And then I think sometime during the Geneva days, uh, you said, okay, we would like to do some collaboration. And then more or less organically, the idea was born that we could do that version of the watch together. The amusing thing, of course, is that I was one of those annoying people that suggested the same thing at the desk in Helsinki. I, I, was, I was like, oh, you know what? I love this style, but I like the case. Because I'm not a fan of coated cases. Ah. Just quite simply. And okay. um, I like the look of them, but I just don't like having them on my wrist. I worry about them wearing in an uneven or unsightly fashion, but I love, love, love blasted cases. So this idea as it came about organically, as we said, was just the perfect balance. It was everything I wanted to see, everything Alon wanted to see, something you could see a way to seeing after a lot of feedback and thought and reflection. And then we talked about, yes, let's do it as as a piece with the real-time show let's make it the first collaboration and let's just keep it as low-key as we possibly can and 
that was continued in the way that we co-branded the piece because if you turn the watch over in your hands, you'll see on the case back, TRTS is engraved on the breastplate of the diver's helmet in the center of the beautifully decorated case back. But that's it. It doesn't say the real-time show anywhere. It's not huge logos or alternate color schemes or anything like that on this model in particular. We want to keep it really low-key. We wanted it to be one of those if-you-know-you-know kind of things we didn't want to put off or confuse anybody that wanted to buy the watch who wasn't a listener of the real-time show because this is another key point of course we're not just designing watches for our community we are trying to design watches with the brand for the brand with the brand's long-term future and appeal in mind so we're hoping that it will yes grow the community yes satisfy the community but also appeal to the brand's existing and also new community that we're able to bring to the brand with this watch you taught me to think like a journalist and i always joke around i'm a wannabe journalist but you're a great mentor and coach so since this is a podcast and we have to ask some journalistic questions rob would you design a watch that you wouldn't wear yourself on this trts platform of collabs that we are now going to launch that's an incredible question you've actually put me on the spot there i don't know if this is a question that's coming from one of the listeners behind my back and i i didn't <laughs> know about it but um <laughs> You know, um, let me be honest, I'm going to have to think on the fly. Uh, my my gut instinct would be to say no. My, my, my feeling would be to say no. But I have to admit that over the last few months, talking with some of the brands we've spoken to and getting to know some of the people behind those brands, my opinion on that is shifting somewhat. It's a very good question. Would I designer watch I wouldn't wear myself. Now, the reason why I might not wear a watch could be manifold. It might one would hope that if I designed it, it wouldn't be because I didn't like the design. That wouldn't make any sense. But it could be the fact that the watch is just not for me. It's not a watch that I could wear physically is perhaps the number one reason why I would say, yes, I would design a watch that I personally wouldn't wear because I could not imagine having that on my wrist 16.5 centimeters as it is for example. I think the important thing, maybe it's better to say, would I design a watch I wouldn't buy? And I think the answer there is no. And I think that it's important for our listeners to know that we are buying our own versions of this watch from Martin. We're getting a good price. Okay. We're getting like, obviously we're getting like a direct price, but we're paying for it. And that is specifically important for us to state because we need the listeners to know we're not getting backhanders from brands. We're not getting paid to change our opinions. Certainly not getting paid to do a collaboration. We would never do that. Would we walk into a brand that we never really thought of collaborating with, see something that we could change that we feel would make it more commercial or interesting or valuable to the community and then suggest a collab? Yes. And I know that's true because that happened to me yesterday in a conversation with a small brand owner from the UK that I'd never considered doing a TRTS special edition with until I started to dig in exactly what was, until I started to dig into exactly what was going into the development of the brand behind the scenes. And then I realized, oh, hang on. I think we have something to offer here. Maybe this would be an organic and beneficial collaboration for everybody. So to answer your question, Yes, I would design a watch that I wouldn't wear. No, I wouldn't design a watch that I wouldn't buy. And for every brand 
that partners with the real-time show know that we're not going to be asking for freebies. We may not be able to afford the watches we designed. That's actually a concern, but we will we will be as straight up as possible and remain as transparent as we can as we go through this process and develop, hopefully, with our community in lockstep with our decisions. Thank you for that. And that was actually my question because I've never asked you that. And we are rather subjective because we're driven by passion. So thank you for that, Rob. Now, maybe I'll bounce the ball back to Martin. Martin, so you agreed to the project, Mm -hmm. the crazy that you are. So what is your feeling about it? And are you going to wear it? I have to be honest here. (laughs) I love the idea from the beginning when it sank into my head and my, my, my concepts, you know. And I trusted you and Rob that, I mean, you were very sure that it would, you know, work. That's why I started it. And in in many cases, also in my watch project, I did things out of gut feeling. And and sometimes I have to do, I have to start swimming to to see how the water is, you know. So that's why I I did it. So I immediately told my case maker to make some new cases and case packs. And I started the design process with my designer. And... um, well, then during the process, I really liked the idea. And especially, for example, I liked the idea how we ended up doing the, let's say, marking of the special watch, like the TRTS, which was Rob's idea to put it on the on the breastplate of, of the dive helmet. Um, and then I saw the first time the, the watch and I, I really, I love the finishing of, of um, the satin blasted, finish of the steel watch which has a very elegant yet stealthy look to it and on yeah but i still cannot unsee my two watches which i have designed and worn for the last two years and that's a bit of my problem so mm, i get positive feedback on the watches i so that's why i'm very glad you know my watchmaker said well that's really i mean that's a really great one Uh, i had a friend coming in by chance he looked. Uh, she looked at the watch. She said, "Wow, that's an amazing watch." My designer, I mean, with whom I've worked also for two years, he also loves the watch. So sometimes I have to say, "Yeah, maybe at the beginning, I, I, I'm not completely convinced." Um, but there are so many people around me who I trust, <laughs> so it must be right. So um, I'm very honest here. So I like it, but I, 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 I need time. <laughs> that's what we want: pure honesty. Yes, and and I salute you as a fellow entrepreneur. I love the fact that you didn't dip a toe in the water to see the temperature. You didn't just swim. You went heads in, dove in, heads first. So I salute you because you do do things on gut feeling, but you're not stubborn. So you do have reason. You do some market research. You listen to your friends, um, and you do some polling, as they say. Um, so that's very cool. Just to respond very quickly to give insight to our dear listeners, how the design process went. So we did almost, well, we hung out two, three days in Geneva. We did, let's say 80% of the brainstorming there. Then we made a WhatsApp group where we continued day and night, ping pong ideas, bouncing, uh, pictures around, uh, photoshops, uh, renders, and me as a marketeer had a big issue with the TRTS suggestion by Rob because I said, nobody knows the real-time show, hardly anybody. 
although we have tens of thousands of listeners, that's still a small number. But Rob was right. It's all about aesthetics. It's not about us. We are maybe the flavoring, the seasoning, the salt and pepper that add a little sprinkle to enhance, enhance the taste or change the flavor of the amazing meal that has already been served. So that was interesting um, for me because as a marketeer and then thinking from a branding perspective, we never wanted our name on the dial. This is not about uh, tapping our own shoulders and, 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 and peacocking to say, hey, look how amazing we are. This is really about pushing the brands out of their comfort zone and saying to them, hey, guys, let's do some uh, out of the ordinary. But we always want to stay close to the brand identity. So that was an interesting move and compliments to Rob because obviously I agreed he had to twist my arm a little bit and bribe me. So he bought my watch. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But but what Rob said is, we really, really put our money where our mouth is. We are adamant for every watch we'll ever co-design. We're going to buy it. Literally putting our money where our mouths are. Yeah, until we do an HYT conical tourbillon, because I don't have that kind of cash kicking around. But I have got an idea in mind for HYT. So Vahe, if you're listening, give us a call. But you're absolutely right. We did have a conversation about the branding and having TRTS, it, it also goes against my natural sensibilities. You know, I, I would love to have the real time show emblazoned from the Empire State Building. You know, I'd, I'd like it to have flying on a flag on the moon or something. You know, I'd, I'd like it to be the most visible logo in the world. But at the same time, we have a responsibility when we collaborate with brands to respect those brands and their codes and to not create a loud or jarring product. It has to be part of their catalog and all the more is that true because we want to pioneer this new way of media platform and brand collaboration. It's never been done before for a media platform to actually have a rolling special edition within the core collection. It's even more important to make sure that we are respectful of the responsibility that we've been lucky enough to shoulder temporarily. And talking of that diver and that little engraving, this is an announcement. This is a hot take, a scoop that neither of you know. It's actually resulted in the birth of the real-time show's first mascot. So I, as you know, Alon, I've been after a mascot for the show for a long time. I, I tried to force through an anthropomorphic tractor because we all love tractors so much, but even though tractor movements exist in the industry, that was a little too esoteric even for our following. But I have now decided made an executive decision that the cute little, <laughs> this happens sometimes, Martin, you know, the cute little diver on the back of the Sherpa is going to step off the case back and become the face of the real-time show, along with the very cliched slogan, dive deeper into watchmaking, because that's what we want to do. We want to give people a deeper dive into the entire industry to show them exactly what goes on behind the curtain. And watch this space because our little diver, who doesn't have a name at the moment, our little diver will appear on the site soon. He will appear on the new round of TRTS stickers that we're having made. And they'll be holographic stickers this time because we're not cheapskates. That's going to look good on your laptop. Trust me. He will be joined eventually by more characters representing different areas of the watchmaking world. So 
keep your eyes peeled on this. The family is growing and you listeners are all welcome to join. If you want to get involved with the network, please just let us know. You can either contact us on Instagram or via email or via the contact form on the website, www.therealtime.show. Martin, before we let you go and address a couple of questions that have come in from our listeners in regards to our one-year celebration, I just wanted to check in with you regarding Sherpa and the rest of the operations. You have been traveling an awful lot. Could you tell us where you've been, what you've seen, and where you will be soon so people that haven't had the chance to get the watches on the wrist, the TRTS Special Edition included, can come along and say hello? Ah, okay. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Rob. So, I, I can hardly remember my name, but I've been in many places. And as you know, I've, I've got two jobs at the moment. So I've been, so last weekend was here the watch time in Düsseldorf, which I didn't join because I've been a week earlier. I've been in New York. So this weekend I had a little event in Düsseldorf at night uh, in the, in a, at a nice pub together with Formax and the Watch Club Düsseldorf. And actually, two members, or no, one member of the Real Time Show Network was actually there, Com. So I was glad to meet some someone in real life, and he was also glad meeting me. Um, the week before, I was in New York, uh, the Wind Up Fair, and at the Red Bar Independent Night. Uh, so um, I think, I mean, this this year is for me the the first year that I'm going to the U.S. So that was new for me. And being in New York, I also presented the final version of my stainless steel um, bracelet, which is going to come in December. At the beginning, uh, for the ultra dive only, um, I'm planning to do it also for the OPS and in DLC. And by the way, I'm also planning to do it for the OPS for the real time show. So I I hope that. Also, until the end of the year, I will have a stainless steel bracelet ready for that version, which will, I think, be quite cool to have. This will give the, the watch a completely different look, I'm very sure. And I've been experimenting a bit with dial colors for the Ultra Dive, so you can expect some news regarding this probably at the turn of the year, uh, in, latest in springtime. And yeah, next week. We'll present the new watch at the Watch Pro Salon in London, Leicester Square. I think the hotel is called the London Hotel, right? Rob, I think you'll be also there. Yes, the uh, the Londoner. The Londoner, right. That's the name of the hotel. So on Friday and Saturday, we uh, will be there as Sherpa Watches and also Rob Nutz will be there. Uh, together we will present the new version of the OPS. And I can tell for the listeners of these uh, podcasts, I still have one or two tickets for Friday and Saturday left, so I can invite somebody who wants to join us. Um, yeah, and I'm really looking forward to to see you in London. Yeah, if you have any ticket requests, then either get in touch with Martin or with me, and I'll connect you to Martin. I also have some tickets to give away, to give away too. So you know, you've got a couple of bites of the cherry. So do feel free to get in touch. Thank you so much for that, Martin. To ask maybe the most important questions because people listening to this episode technically gotten a audio preview of the watch. We will give the privilege to the TRTS community to see the first images, the unofficial images in the TRTS network. So if you're very eager to see it, make sure to become a member. And 
as Martin just said, Rob and him will show and launch the watch officially at Watch Pro in London. What happens afterwards? If you can't or don't want to join a WhatsApp community and or you can't come physically to London, Martin, what's the best way to order the watch? Because Rob and I are not selling anything. TRTS is not going to become an e-boutique. We are not retailers, so the brand is selling the watch, which means that's Martin. Please give the best instructions how to reach out to you and or pre-order the watch, Martin. So, yes, thank you. As people who know our brand uh, will see, we don't have a one-click web shop because usually I quite like to have contact with the people. So usually they write an email to info at sherpawatches.com or the, we have a contact form for ordering on our webpage of course not yet for the new watch but this will also come so usually people could go to uh, www.sherpawatches.com and there is a uh, webpage section which is called order and there we will list the new watch soon and you can put in your info press send and I will get back to them with the offer and then later on the invoice, and they can pay with credit card, uh, PayPal, and other things. And um, Or you just write an email to info at sherpawatches.com. Two things. The URL is S-H-E-R-P-A-W-A-T-C-H-E-S.com. What will be the retail price for this watch in and without VIT? Because it's shipped from the EU. So all EU citizens have to pay VAT. Everyone outside the EU can purchase it without taxes, correct? Yes, except for the US. In the US, we have a market price for our watches. So beginning of November, which is now, the the OPS is retailing for uh, 6,200 euro and the US for 6,300 euro um, dollars, sorry including VAT, uh, excluding I have to calculate, to be honest, but I, uh, I'll put it online. Um, so it has the same price as the standard OPS. And, uh, well, we start retailing, I hope, in the next few weeks. For our listeners, the price without VAT in euro is 5,210 euros. Thank you so much, Martin, for coming on the show, for making this possible. Um, I can't wait to strap on my personal piece. So that's going to be some sleepless nights. Brilliant. Thanks, Martin. Really appreciate it. And thanks again for pursuing this project with us. Thank you so much for having me. And uh, well, I'm looking forward to meeting both of you soon. Well, that was a lot of fun, wasn't it? Good to have Martin on the show again. Always great fun. I love his inhibition. He's, he's so not German, actually. He's incredibly amusing as well. Um, got a great humor about him and always up for a laugh. And he must be because he's working with us jokers, as you said. So, yeah, uh, <laughs> I'm glad that he uh, decided to give us a chance to do something to pioneer this new sales model. And we know already that more brands are following in his footsteps. And hopefully, in a year's time, we'll have plenty more brands on board for our listeners to choose from. Talking of a year's time. That's part of a question that was asked to us by one of our group members, Keith Martin. So Keith is a very active member of the Real Time Network, and he, along with a few others in the gang, 
Julie responded to our our request put out this morning for anniversary themed questions to answer on the show today. So we've got quite a few. Let's go through and let's start with Keith's question. Where do you see the real time show being in one, five or 10 years time? He also says the show and the community. So go ahead. Give us your thoughts on that, Alam. I hope not much changes besides the fact that we have more listeners and more network members. Not so much that we want to uh, boost our own egos and be the number one watch-related podcast, which we want to become. I mean, let's not hide that fact. But it's more because we are on a mission and our vision is to educate as many as possible people about how beautiful watches are and we are let's call it mechanical art evangelists so i don't think we should become a media empire because one of the questions was that we got that we've received is what are we planning to do on other content types so we'll deal with that later and you've given an insight on that in one of the previous episodes rob but i i i believe that you and i can keep this pace up for a decade easily meaning produce two pieces of content every week and that's two hours of content minimum because you and i really have to hold the horses back not to make an episode longer than one hour. So in, in Latin and in economical terms, you use the term ceteris paribus. So if you change one element and everything else stays the same, which is rare and impossible to do because I believe in the Pareto effect, the butterfly effect. So if you change one thing, everything else changes as well. But let's, for the sake of hypothesis, say that if you and I just keep doing what we're doing right now, we could keep it up easily for a decade. Now, we have obviously David Vaucher, which is a big shout out to him and a thank you to him because he came on rather early and believed in us and has been giving behind the scenes and also on air a lot of passion and knowledge. And his segment, which we call him our in-house provocateur, his articles have been a great success. So thank you for David and thank you for all the listeners that actually digest and interact with us because he provokes and we discuss these articles during article analysis episodes. So at a certain point, we were putting out three pieces of content a week. Now, a lot of the community members say, hey, we, want, we love everything you do and we want to digest everything you do. So we're actually holding back. So. A vision that I have is I think we'll have the TRTS network with multiple podcast channels, meaning we'll branch out with more shows and then our listeners can subscribe. So, because obviously some people just like our QAs, some people just like the interviews we have with guests, some people just love the articles, and we actually have a lot of ideas on ice 
we have potential new hosts iced out, so meaning frozen for the time being. So we're very excited. We have we're busting with creativity and ideas. What do you want to say, Rob, on this topic? I echo in many ways what you said. We have a wonderful community. We have an extremely active, engaged, and I think friendly community that doesn't suffer from the trolling that many comment sections on more established media platforms are unfortunately subjected to. I would like to see our listenership grow massively, obviously, so we're the biggest in numbers as well as heart in the watch industry. But I'd be quite happy if our community as our core members grew steadily, but not quite at the same explosive place I'd like the listenership to grow. Because there's something important about being able to know all of the people that really propel your community forwards. You know, I, I know, or I feel I know all of the members of the TRTS network, and I appreciate their characters. I can see their own relationships developing in front of our eyes. And that's a wonderful thing. So many of us have now met in real life in different places either on our travels or by accident. And um, that's great. I'd love to see that continue. In terms of the development of the show, we are going to branch out onto other platforms. So there will be a YouTube channel coming soon. We have the account name, The Real Time Show. There will be an Instagram account, which is launched officially yesterday. That's The Real Time Dot Show at The Real Time Dot Show on Instagram. So you can find us there. We're going to overhaul the website. We're going to streamline it a little bit. I think that I'm going to get rid of the secondary episodes page and replace that with a portfolio for the watches that we create with our partners. We're also going to branch out into TikTok alongside Instagram and YouTube to create short form video content. Now, Alan was very keen on video content. I've mentioned this on a previous channel. I don't want to visualize the podcast. I want that to remain long format and audio only, but I am now going to pursue short form video as well to bolster that. So in one year's time, you will see, I would say between five and 10 co-designed TRTS watches on the site, an overhauled website, a beloved mascot in the form of our little diver who needs a name. So please write in with suggestions and a YouTube channel, a TikTok channel, and an active Instagram account, hopefully with around, oh, I don't know, in a year, between five and 10,000 followers. That would be my goal for the next 12 months. And I think to be known as the Insiders Insider Podcast and to continue where what we've begun would be a great achievement. So I'll use that as a segue to Max's question because he asked us, how are your plans for the future of the pod? Do you want to expand into other media forms as well, like a blog, written articles, reviews, and or video-based formats, for example? So you technically answered all of those. And I want to add that we are planning to do in real life events. So get-togethers, meetups, factory visits. We've said on air that some brands during Geneva Watch Days have asked us if we're willing to bring the community to Geneva to do meet and greets with the brands and then even take them to the manufacturers in the mountains. So we're working on that. We have an amazing idea for a symposium for the insiders in the watchmaking industry. So I'm talking about the professionals as well. And we're thinking of doing it behind closed doors, maybe one day behind closed doors. One day is going to be 
with an audience, so panel discussion. So we have a lot of ideas. We do indeed. Next question from Jason. Where do babies come from? Alon, any idea? I've been told they're storks that bring them, right? I think it's shagging. When uh, generally, uh, let me dive into this. I'm not an expert, but I've got a book on it. Hang on. it's I've, I've annotated it with my uh, Crayola. You've never done it because you're not married yet. So you don't know what it is, right? You need to dive into books. Yeah, I'm, I'm deep in my book. Really yeah. deep. It's, uh, I believe when um, generally... Um, you don't have to identify as either of these genders, but a biological male and a biological female um, put certain parts of their biology together and pray to the gods of Patek Philippe, Vacheron, Constantine, and Audemars Piguet, a child is offered to the womb of the female. And then nine months later, a watch fanatic is born. Pretty sure that's how it works. That's how it worked for my parents or my mom and the milkman at least. And if anyone else has any more insight to that topic, please do get in touch because I find it fascinating. Okay, next question. <laughs> Pretty good, that one. It <laughs> Pretty accurate. I laughed a bit. I had a little half smile on my face. It was funny. It was funny. It's, I mean, I know you did it on top of your head, so not bad. Not bad. Okay. Uh, okay, Joao <laughs> Stolaris. Next up. Joao, our friend, uh, he says, what's an idiosyncratic habit you have with your watches that you haven't shared yet? Okay, I, I got a bit of a weird one that I'll share with you because I'm looking at my index finger and it's completely, it's gnarly. Honestly, I've ripped all the skin off it from winding manual wind watches um, most days or because I rotate from my collection, even the automatics, I give them a wind I'm okay with shaking automatics to start them. It's a bit of an old wives' tale that automatic watches don't like that. I mean, some Seikos don't even have a manual winding capacity, and other watches are designed to withstand G-forces strong enough to take you to space or around a golf, you know, so not in that order. But um, I uh, I have a real problem with the skin on my index finger, so I wear a small finger sock. <laughs> which is it's creepy as hell my girlfriend hates it because i leave it out and she's like oh you've left that weird little finger sock out again and it's i used to wear it when i was playing basketball all the time uh, it was a finger protector to stop your fingers from getting bent back if the ball like would hit you on the end of the finger and uh, i only used to wear a couple of them on my uh, on my right hand which i used to catch the ball with and shoot with my left in case anyone cares, but I've now repurposed it as a winding glove. And I think that we could even consider, Alon, actually bringing these winding gloves to the community and making them one of our first TRTS branded products. How about that? <laughs> a winding sheath. I'm dead serious. That's an amazing idea because I'm happy you asked this question. I also used to bang up my fingers playing ball. So I didn't even know these things existed, or maybe I'm a bit too old and they didn't exist in my time. And I It's a good point, actually. It was like the sort of Iverson era when everyone started wearing shooting sleeves and you had to be a real dick to wear a shooting sleeve. But these finger guards are actually quite useful. Indeed. I, 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 I sprang my fingers so often. So that's amazing. I didn't even know they existed. But obviously, people that have seen watchmakers at work or pictures or videos, they have like these finger condoms. That's not what Rob means. But my fingers are also... They are, obviously, I have like soft hands because I'm just a jeweler, so I don't do hard work, but my, my fingertips are also gone from all this winding. So I literally think it's a good idea. And if you, dear listener, think so as well, send us a message, email, DM, or just join the community. We even have a dedicated banter channel, so we kid around a lot. 
Um, he adds also a request to his question. Discussion points linked in the show notes. Sorry for the low clerical work, but it's very practical for the listening experience on the run. Cheers and congrats. So we hear you. It's on the to-do list. The God honest truth is we lack time. Don't have a team yet. We are going to monetize now because of the first call that we're doing. We are literally pumping every penny back into the show. Right, Rob? Yeah, absolutely. And the rest. I mean, we really want to grow and grow in a responsible way. And that means that we are going to have to bring on some more team members to handle things that Alan and I either don't have time or talent uh, to take care of. And that includes like the clerical stuff, like putting up show notes and links and more developed stuff. And obviously we now are branching out into Instagram and more videos. So that's going to take even more time. Um, Yeah. Good suggestions. Thank you very much. We will definitely find someone to take care of that at some point. I just want to add that he mentions, uh, Joao mentions, I rub the screen of my G-Shock for fingerprints before wearing it and call him baby. So um, I, uh, do I talk to any of my watches? I have done. I definitely have done. Um, not, I don't have like a particular confidant within them. I think the one I've probably spoken to the most in my life is the one that we co-designed together, Alon, in 2017, the Distyle, uh, Orion from Nomos, because that one stayed on my wrist for years. I think it was the first Nomos I actually bought for myself. And I remember being alone in a speakeasy in Omaha, and it was in this dark little cavernous bar lit only by candles. And the silver dial of the Nomos was almost speaking back to me. <laughs> At least it felt like it was when I was three Negronis into my stay there. And I think I did share a few private words with it. So yeah, I'm not above that. All right. Um, let's go back to Keith. He had another question. He said, what do you love outside of watches? In brackets, is there anything else to love apart from watches? Uh, to the second point of your question, Keith, no, not seriously. But Alan, what are your interests outside of watchmaking? Everybody knows that I, my second hobby are sneakers. And it's very important for me because I often say I kind of regret also selling watches because it's sometimes a conflict of interest. It's fun when it's a pure hobby. So I'm actually envious of our TRTS members that only deal with watches in a hobby manner and not a commercial manner because I do that with sneakers. I digest magazines, blog posts, social media. I wait for drops, collabs, limited editions, and I don't sell, flip, trade, or whatever. I just consume. And um, sometimes the politics, especially with the big groups, dent my love and passion for watches, but it always rebounds back. And the TRTS, literally, I just said it earlier on, lit a huge fire for me as a watch nerd. So I I approach TRTS as a hobby and and it really gives me a lot of joy, happiness, fun, and energy. So and and I love cars, but I wouldn't say I'm a petrohead, most probably because I simply don't have any funds left after pumping everything into watches, 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 
here and there some kicks and soles, and a little bit of art that you hang on your wall. Sometimes even actual watches go on a wall or clocks. But um, that that's it. What are yours, Rob? Hmm, I guess the easy answer for me is sport. I'm an obsessive sports fan as, as well, you know, and always happy to uh, offer a sporting uh, parallel to real life events. I love the NFL. I'm a huge and ever more ardent baseball fan. I love road cycling, tennis, rugby, football, hockey, you, you name it. I, if if it can be uh, watched and chewed over and distilled into stats for analysis, it's, it's, it's right up my street. And so beyond sport, I guess that my real passion is the outdoors. If I were able to retire tomorrow, I would move to a rural location. I would build myself an A-frame house, a very simple, small place to live by a lake. And I would like to become a, a mountain ranger, a, a park ranger, someone who spent their time building fences and you know maintaining paths and guiding kids on outdoor experiences up not too challenging mountains, but you know, beautiful scenery and countryside and looking after the local fauna and flora. So yeah, I guess those are my passions, um, sport, the watching and partaking thereof and, and the outdoor world. Yeah, that's it. I guess, um, I love my friends, but you know, that's it. They don't love you that much and they don't have time, but about the outdoorsies. <laughs> True, true. I am no, dealt here. No, no you're not. Yeah, actually, actually, everybody loves you, and uh, it's like everybody loves Raymond. Everybody loves Rob. Actually, Raymond, Raymond, uh, Raymond Barone is actually a pretty good corollary. I am a bit like him. I'm, like, I'm just like a bit of a, you know, I, I, I'm well intentioned, but I often, often mess things up. Yeah, it's not that bad. You're okay. You're okay. I'm still here, and our listeners are still here. Um, so, but the outdoors is I, I really see you do because you do go out and about as the canadians say a lot and you are you see you call yourself a wannabe explorer but you actually became one thanks to the watch brands so um good on you um another fun question what's the most ridiculous watch you've seen in the first year of the show oh the most ridiculous watch i've seen in the first year of the show um well, I guess I, I'm going to be uh, the, the politician that I may yet one day become and answer this question with a little detachment. I suppose it depends what we mean by ridiculous. If you mean ridiculously impressive, you know, a watch that made me sit back in wonder, slack-jawed and proclaim, my God, that's ridiculous. I suppose the one that jumps to mind immediately, and it isn't to say it's my favorite watch, and I think Stephen will forgive me for that, but it's the Ort Reeve thousand hour power reserve. Wait, was it a thousand hours or a thousand days? I forget. <laughs> no hours, hours. That's yeah. the thousand hour power reserve from Ort Reeve. Yeah. That one I remember just being as a watchmaker, you know, because I know I could see into it. I could see the architecture immediately. And I asked him a couple of questions. I don't know if they were on tape. I think they were actually that I could see in his face. He was pleased he'd been asked. You know, because I was saying, well, what's the 
order of construction of the layers of this movement because I was looking at the watch and I was thinking, well, where's the barrel? And the barrel was right on the back of the watch. And I thought that was, that was ridiculous. That's like, who needs that? You know, but thank God it exists. It's exactly what watchmaking should be about. It is a continuation of what I was discussing the other day, actually, on first GPHG rundown we did. The second part will follow on Tuesday. But the first part, we talked about icons, and I chose the freak because I was I was very passionately defending the freak's role in the entire reimagining of watchmaking in general. And I see something like the Alt Reeve Thousand Hour Power Reserve watch as the as a successor to that, as, as something that has come from that way of thinking. Like, we don't need this. Of course, we don't need it, but it's wonderful that it exists. So that's the model that jumps to mind first. Alon, maybe you give us a model in the same vein that perhaps impressed you to the point of speechlessness. And I'll try and think of something that was actually like ridiculous in the more traditional sense of the word. Great question. And I, I like the way you spun it because he didn't mean it that way. He obviously took it to the negative, but I love that you took it to the positive. Um, I, I literally... I have to rack my brain because I don't find things ridiculous in the positive or the negative sense. But um, mechanically, maybe not positively ridiculous is the, what was it, 20 million diamond watch by Jacob & Co.? But as a oh, well, that's a great choice. I mean, you could yeah. you could call that ridiculous on every front. I think uh, Jacob and Co <laughs> was also like lurking on the fringes of my mind as as an answer for the absolute ridiculous because there's one or two pieces they've released that I just don't get, um, but they're not quite uh, out there enough to to warrant the ridiculous label. But that piece was yeah, that was something else. It was so, and and I'm taking it to the positive. Something that's negatively ridiculous Ooh, i don't even know <laughs> i i i owe you that question i'm sorry it's not that i don't want to insult anybody because we don't have that problem on this show you and i no <laughs> or david Vosher for that matter what about that spider-man automat pga was that this year that was dog shit that was dog shit ridiculous i just yeah, don't but, know what uh, i'm doing there it's not it's, it's stupid it's so it's so much a denigration of what watchmaking should be. It's the opposite of the Yacht Reef thing. I love cartoon characters. I love Spider-Man. I love Black Panther. I think they're really cool. I love Automar Pige. I love the Royal Oak. You don't need to put those two things together. You just don't need to put everything good with something else that's good. Not all good things go well together. Lamborghinis and pastrami, they don't go well together. Like They don't taste good, you know? One's delicious. One will break your neck if you try and put it in your mouth. Like it's just, it doesn't mean they have to be in the same place at the same time, you know? But if you're, if you're sitting in your Lambo in the passenger seat, having a nice New York kosher deli pastrami sandwich while Jerry Seinfeld is driving cracking jokes, it does go together. Alon Ben Joseph, if you ever eat a New York deli, sandwich in my Lamborghini, I will I will stop the car right there and I'll kick you out because I do not want those crumbs getting in my leather work. Do you understand? Do you understand? And if I have a nice bib on? <laughs> all right. Anyways, yeah, we kick you one right. day. You'll never, you'll never own a Lambo. Not because you're not going to make the money because you are, because you're going to pump it into watches. So what are we talking about? Maybe I can drool over your HYT. Anyways, we're deviating. 
Rob, I think we should wrap it up. We had one amazing question. Well, we had more, and I'm sorry that we can't answer them all. But one of them was so good. I think you and I should make it into a complete episode, a special, which was the question. Um, let me quickly scroll because we got so many. Um, by Com. Uh, I would like some more backstories about you three guys, previous work experiences, watches that you've owned or just tried on that really had a profound influence on you, etc. So we owe you hereby a rain check. Do you agree, Rob? Yeah, well, we need to get David on the air for that one. And it could be our first Q&A with David involved because David's only ever been on air as an article reader or an analyst. An analyst of the articles. So let's get him back on and we'll do that as an episode where we'll talk about our route into watchmaking and we'll give it a number, maybe the, the, the three or the five watches that had the biggest effect on us and our careers. Okay? Good one. So nobody's done the outro as good as you in the last year. So the honor is all yours. Well, thanks again, mate, for a brilliant 12 months and here's to many more of them. If you'd like to get in touch with us and take part in the show, the most community-driven podcast in the watchmaking industry, then please do contact us either via Instagram. I'm there at Rob Nuds, R-O-B-N-U-D-D-S. Alon can be found at A-L-O-N-B-E-N-J-O-S-E-B-H. David can be found at D-A-V-A-U-C-H-E-R. And our new podcast channel, which will now start to take the lead in communications, will be at therealtime.show that's t-h-e-r-e-a-l-t-i-m-e dot s-h-o-w you can contact us via email either rob or alon at therealtime.show or via the contact form on the website www.therealtime.show we'll be back next tuesday to finish off our gphg predictions for 2023 and on thursday with another interview with one of watchmaking's finest until then stay safe and keep on ticking 